Welcome to the Jay Kim Show. This is your host, Jay Kim. I am an investor, author, and fitness entrepreneur. And for the first time in Asia, I sit down with the world's most brilliant minds in business, investing, and entrepreneurship. You'll learn all the secrets, strategies, and formulas to becoming a successful entrepreneur directly from the masters. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insight to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. Today's guest is Hong Kong-based fintech expert, Henry Arzelanian. Henry is the PricewaterhouseCoopers fintech and regtech lead for Hong Kong and China, and he's also an adjunct associate professor at the University of Hong Kong, where he teaches graduate-level courses on entrepreneurship and finance, as well as the very first fintech university course in Asia. Henry is an impressive guy. Before joining PwC, he was working at a fintech startup, and before that, he spent many years with UBS Investment Bank in Hong Kong. Henry started his career as a financial markets and funds lawyer in Canada and Hong Kong. Henry is a TEDx speaker, a published author, a member of the Milken Institute's Young Leaders Circle, and was named one of the 100 most influential individuals in fintech in Asia. Fintech is a very hot topic these days in the startup world, and in today's interview, Henry talks about some of the trends he sees going forward in this space. Henry, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. We have a very exciting week coming up here for the Start Me Up Hong Kong 2017 Festival. And again, we appreciate your time. So for our audience that perhaps hasn't heard of you, you're obviously quite well known here within the Hong Kong uh, ecosystem and community. But for our audience, perhaps outside listening in from Southeast Asia, from overseas, Please give us a little bit of a rundown. What do you do uh, for a living? And just give us some background, please. Absolutely. Well, Jade, thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Also very excited for the week ahead uh, in Hong Kong as well with the Asian from the AFF to the Start Me Up uh, week. It's going to be quite an exciting week. So mm-hmm. my name is Henry Arslinian, uh, really. And um, I guess my passion is really the future of the banking and legal industries. And I'm just a lucky guy that gets paid for doing what I'm actually quite passionate about. Uh, in my day job, I'm the fintech and rectech leader for China and Hong Kong uh, for a PwC based out of Hong Kong. Really, my mm-hmm. focus is on really on closing the gap between the financial services incumbents and the fintech and technology firms and really trying to foresee some of the banking models of the, of the future. Mm. Very interesting. So maybe you can what maybe you can just run us through. I, you know, a lot of the um, entrepreneurs and and thought leaders that I have on the show, I like to just get a little bit of background of how they got to where they are in their career, because I think that people always like to enjoy to hear a little bit about the personal background, um, you know, and if they what sort of led them down this path to success, if you will. Sure, uh, Jay. Happy to share. My background: I'm actually from Montreal, Canada, so the French-speaking part okay. of of Canada. And I'm a lawyer by background. So I actually started mm. my career as a financial markets and a corporate lawyer in Canada. And then about 10 years ago, I moved to China. So I moved to Beijing, learned Chinese, and I did this uh, this master's in Chinese law at Tsinghua University. Wow. And then uh, that was it was really one of my first, um, that's how I really brought, what brought me to Asia, if you want, Jay. Mm. Subsequently, I uh, came to Hong Kong, uh, started, uh, was, was working as a, as, a, again, as a financial markets regulatory and funds lawyer. Uh, before making the move to banking, then I joined UBS and I was uh, had really some beautiful years at UBS where I was part of the investment bank, really covering the hedge fund industry in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Really what happened was, I would say, with fintech, if you want, 
was about, I would say maybe three years ago, a bit more, three, four years ago, I really started getting into fintech and following what was the, the early days, if you want, of, of, of fintech, what was happening globally. Right. And I still remember when it really started in Hong Kong. I used to organize some, in the very early days, I used to organize some of the first fintech dinners in Hong Kong. And I kid you not, Jay, I couldn't even get uh, eight or 10 people together to discuss fintech. <laughs> So it's quite incredible how uh, how things have changed since then. But I started right. very, very, being very involved. I'm, I'm also, uh, one of the things I do, part of my uh, job at PwC, I'm an adjunct associate professor at the University of Hong Kong, where I teach courses on entrepreneurship and finance. So I started mm. also teaching the first fintech university course in Asia, a 36-hour course on fintech. Um, so, oh. really, I, so I started really getting into fintech and teaching it. And uh for me, the day I realized I have to leave banking was that I, I was starting to take annual leave uh, to go to fintech conferences. And for me, that was a time I think it was, it was time to leave the bank and uh, join a fintech startup. Uh, then I afterwards uh, recently joined the PwC in my current role, which is really where I try to be really become the bridge between the startup and the banking world uh, by connecting the financial institutions with the latest fintech, rec tech, insure tech uh, startup uh, innovations. And this really allows not only financial institutions to use this latest innovation to reduce costs or enhance their offering, but in many cases, actually, to transform the, their businesses uh, for the better. Mm. So I think that's a quite a, a very interesting role that I have right now. I'm quite grateful for it as well. Wow, what a, what a ride you've had. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. So you were saying how, you know, several years ago, you couldn't even pull together, you know, five, six, seven, eight people to a fintech dinner. And now fintech seems to be, it's just the hottest thing. It's the buzz everywhere. I mean, I don't think I, could, I go two weeks without seeing some sort of event in the city or in the region regarding fintech. So why don't we just take a step back? You obviously have a banking background and that perhaps helped usher your way into fintech. So for our listeners who perhaps haven't been exposed to, to fintech in the past, what exactly is fintech from a very high level, maybe just very basically? Absolutely. What is fintech and how has fintech evolved from when you started following it at the very beginning to now. Absolutely, Jay. Uh, I mean, uh, fintech, if you want, is short for financial technology. Uh, I would say is really the innovative use of technology in the design of del and delivery of financial services. And it's really transforming finance through a broad range of uses and technologies from anything from peer-to-peer -peer lending, artificial intelligence, blockchain, big data, crowdfunding, digital payments, and robo-advisors, just to name a few. Mm. The, the thing that's important for the audience to understand, especially uh, the, our listeners who are not really uh, familiar with fintech, is that historically, as the technology was evolving, the financial services industry was re relatively quick to adapt these new innovations and integrate them in their business in order to better serve customers. But really what happened was all of this really changed during the, the global financial crisis of uh, 2008. What happened during that mm. the financial crisis, Jay, was that banks were really focused on complying with the numerous new rules, regulatory requirements, and fines imposed on them. And right. innovation became a very, very distant priority. But what happened at the same time, some of the most uh, game-changing technological innovations that have transformed the way that we live became part of our daily lives. I mean, if you think about the mm -hmm. iPhone, uh, Airbnb, Uber, WhatsApp, right. WeChat, for example. And what happened there was yes. that a big gap was created between what banks were able to offer and what you as a customer came to expect, especially from a convenience and user experience perspective. 
And that's the gap that the fintech industry is tackling right now. I see. I see. Wow. So fintech seems like a like. I mean, okay. If you, let's just take for example, in this upcoming conference week, fintech has taken two full days. I mean, there's only five days of the conference, and two out of five is dedicated to fintech. So it's a huge, huge vertical that obviously is very. There's a lot of interest. People coming in from all over the region and the world. Uh, for this conference, right? So what is there a certain part of fintech that you started off with interest and you started, you know, really digging deep into? Or was it just the entire, uh, you know, umbrella of fintech that was interesting to you that caused you to just research it further? Oh, it's a good question, uh, Jay. I think uh, fintech has come a long way from the, from the early days. I'll be very, very honest. I always tell uh, audiences that anybody who tells you they're a fintech expert, you should probably run away. At the same way, and nobody can be a finance <laughs> or a law expert. You know, in the early right. days, I would say, uh, I mean, two, three years ago, uh, really, uh, fintech was, was, was obviously the, the catchy term. But what happened is actually fintech has evolved so much over the last couple of years that basically all the different pillars of fintech, if you want, have become a full-fledged discipline on its own. If you look at big data or the P2P sector, for example. Yep. So the, really, the industry has evolved quite a lot. I think what's really interesting is that I think the mass market, if you want, has now over the last year or two start, started to realize uh, the impact that fintech will have and I would say technological change will have on financial services. There's obviously some very positive outcomes from this, some negative ones as well. I mean, for example, if you're working in a bank right now and you have a very manual, repetitive job in an operational role, for example, I think it is likely that those jobs will disappear over the coming years. However, on the flip side, I mean, I think one of the biggest benefits of fintech right now is actually financial inclusion. Uh, I mean, we have currently 2 billion people around the world who are completely unbanked. And for the first time in mm -hmm. modern uh, history, we are able to offer these individuals financial services and we're succeeding at it. I mean, over the last five years, uh, the World Bank estimates that 700 million people have gone from being unbanked to being banked. And is that, I think this wow. is one of the greatest benefits of, uh, of fintech, the one that, that we don't mention a lot. So it's actually a big transformation. Uh, to be honest, the fintech revolution, if we, if we can call it like this, is mm -hmm. happening way, way, way quicker than I actually expected it. I can tell you very honestly, Jay, if you tell me what's going to happen in fintech in six months, in one year, I absolutely have no idea. I have pretty much, I can give you <laughs> high-level guidance, but it's very, very, uh, the industry is moving so quickly uh, that it's actually uh, it's actually quite impressive. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's very exciting times right now, as, as you said. You know, with the banking shift uh, to online. You know, I, I read an article uh, just just recently um, about sort of the state of basically the article was saying between the years of 2016 and 2020, there's an estimated three to five billion people that will be online that previously were not. Obviously, majority is going to come from this region, India, China, right? So we are sitting basically at the forefront, the front seats, if you will, of this shift, this transformation. Um, and so it's very exciting. So, you know, you mentioned that you're sort of a general thought leader in the space. You know, you're obviously, um, you're well known within the circles here in Hong Kong. You are often quoted in media, Bloomberg, you know, Financial Times. I, I've seen you in the SCMP, China Daily. You also gave a, a very sort of evocative TEDx keynote speech, and you're, you're oftentimes a keynote speaker as well. 
what are usually the themes that you like to tackle in your when you give public speeches? Oh yeah, of course. Jay. First of all, I always tell people I'm not a thought leader. I'm just somebody who's really passionate about this, and actually, uh, I'm just lucky <laughs> that the, what I do is actually quite interesting uh, these days. Um, I guess the topics uh, vary quite a lot on on what uh, people want to hear, and there's always trends in the fintech world. Mm-hmm. I would say, I mean, we over the last couple of years, I mean, you know, we from blockchain was at one point a big big thematic. Artificial intelligence was a big one. Big data was one. Uh, in the in the or I would say the early days, three four years ago, it was probably more on P two P and what we used to call at the time internet finance. Uh, I would say some of the new trends that I'm really really seeing mm-hmm. come at the forefront right now. Uh, probably the one that I'm the most uh, I think is the most promising for the next uh, year to come is really reg tech, which is regulatory technology, which is basically the mm-hmm. use of some of the new technologies to really address some of the regulatory and compliance uh, burdens, not only more effectively but also more efficiently. And uh, this is really driven by a lot of the big banks who are trying to really not only reduce costs, but actually try to uh, transform certain parts of their business in a way that actually is, is more efficient and actually can give clients also a better user experience as well. Uh, if you think from anything from being onboarded with a bank from a KYC or AML, which is anti-money laundering regulations, mm-hmm. to anything from more uh, monitoring of staff, conduct monitoring, there's a lot of the different areas that are very, very uh, costly actually for banks that we finally have the technology uh, to actually address these in, a, in an efficient and effective way. That's very interesting. I mean, from a, I, I have a financial background as well. And so as I see the shift happen, you know, you mentioned that data point in 2008 and thereafter when regulatory was all of a sudden very much more important and in the spotlight. And you have this shift of basically a lot of processes that are being consolidated. A lot of the workforce in financial industries services are being consolidated. Banks, you know, they're getting more and more regulations coming down. Yet on the flip side, you see this this other side that is growing rapidly, which is fintech, regtech. So it's quite exciting. I mean, I, I I'm I'm feeling very positive about that side of it, despite. Um, the potentially negative implications if you're still working at a bank or have to deal yeah. with such regulations. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think you raise a good point of, uh, I mean, t- to be honest, banks are not going to disappear. I'm actually of the view that actually banks are, uh, have a, actually, b- banks will still be there. And I think the most of the banks you see today will continue to, will be there in 10, 20, 50 years. I mean, don't forget that uh, most of the banks that we deal with today, not only they have the experience, but also they have the expertise. I always mention that one of the large American banks, uh, uh, up to one third of their staff are programmers and developers. So a lot of the banks are actually quite uh, quite advanced uh, when it comes to, uh, let's say, want, wanting to transform themselves. There's obviously a lot of issues, and it's, it's actually quite difficult to transform a large organization uh, and try to adapt. I mean, one of them is legacy systems. You know, a lot of banks have systems that have been there for 10, 15, 20 years and it's actually uh, quite difficult to change uh, all, all the technology that an IT have in place. But I think what's going to be really interesting is uh, I don't think that bankers should be worried. I mean, yes, there will be a lot of banking jobs that will disappear. A great example is uh, Citibank predicts that over the next 10 years, 30% of banking jobs, one banking job out of three, will disappear. Wow. Yes, some new jobs will be created in the fintech industry. Uh, but obviously, these would be uh, obviously smaller in numbers. But also, the skill sets mm-hmm. that will be required from bankers in the future will be very, very different from the bankers today. Um, you know, you're probably not going to need as many compliance officers or traders, but you probably need more programmers or actually designers. So I think it's just the the, the nature of the tasks required and the skills required will change. The other big transformation, to be honest, is that I always tell banks that is I don't think banks should be really worried about startups. You know. Uh, 
uh, startups, there's a lot of counterparty risk. A lot of customers are not really, uh, there's a still a, a getting to know each other, if you want, with, with, with the startup world. Uh, I think that some of the biggest mm-hmm. threats for banks today, especially on the retail side and the wealth management side, is probably the, are probably large technology firms. The Facebook, the mm-hmm. Amazons, the Tencents of this right. world, these are probably the, uh, uh, these large technology firms will definitely are, are already in the financial services uh, landscape uh, in Asia and increasingly in, the, in, the, in Europe and in the US. And I think the uh, large tech firms will be part of our financial services landscape in the years to come. So I think that's what the area, the, the main the competitor uh, that the, some of the traditional banks should look out for. Mm. Very interesting. Henry, you, you, you've been in Hong Kong for quite some time, a uh, number of years, as have I, and you've always been quite involved and active in the ecosystem here, uh, both in the startup community, obviously in the fintech ecosystem. What are some of the challenges that you see here in Hong Kong? I like to ask some of our local um, you know, speakers, guests on the show this, because as someone who myself have, has been actively involved in the ecosystem, I know that Hong Kong, as a startup and innovation city, they have a lot of things going for them, but it's been very difficult. A lot of the verticals are very siloed. Um, there's not a lot of integration within the, uh, the different mini ecosystems, if you will. So how do you view the ecosystem here in Hong Kong? What is the biggest challenge that we face moving forward? And then specifically within the fintech ecosystem, how does Hong Kong uh, look to you as a fintech hub? Uh, it's a great uh, question, uh, Jay, and one that we get asked quite a bit. I mean, I would say that from that mm-hmm. perspective, um, uh, you know, Hong Kong is, I mean, first of all, Hong Kong is a financial center. Uh, you know, we have, I think, 74 of the world's uh, one top 100 banks who are here. So naturally, I think a fintech hub will generally ha- happen in, in a financial center for one reason being that that's where a lot of the clients are, especially for the, mainly for the B2B segment of fintech. I think Hong Kong has a lot, um, has a lot of advantages, you know, from the rule of law, the proximity to China, the existing uh, customer base, financial institution customer base. But like any other fintech hub, it has its drawbacks. You know, the one that I find uh, personally very interesting in, in Hong Kong, uh, I would say it's really the mindset. Mm. I'll give you one very simple example. I, I, like I mentioned, I teach a fintech course at the University of Hong Kong. I actually think it's the first fintech university course in Asia that I teach at the University of Hong Kong. And I had a student oh, wow. about, I would say, one or two years ago probably, uh, came to me and said, uh, Professor, I have two job offers. One of them is with a, with a tech firm in, uh, in Shenzhen. The other one is actually mm-hmm. in the back office role in the, one of the large retail banks here. And he was like, you know, uh, I, I want to take the job, the startup job in Shenzhen, but my girlfriend's mom wants me to take the job at the big bank. <laughs> and, you know, it was very sad. I mean, he ended up taking the back office job at a big bank. And, you know, it's, I think this, I always say that Hong Kong will truly become uh, a global fintech center the day tiger moms uh, get peace of mind with the idea of their kids yep. joining startups uh, <laughs> and taking the risk. You know, I always call this this uh, dinner table or dim sum table uh, moment where, you know, when your your cousin has a job at a big bank with a nice business card and you're actually with a startup yep. that mathematically will fail. Uh, so I think it's yep. more of a mindset. To be honest, we've come, we've ha- have come a long way. I mean, I honestly, I remember I've been in Hong Kong now for nine years and I think entrepreneurship has really, and startup scene has really, really come a long way from the early days. There's obviously, I think, a lot of mm. uh, room for improvement. But I think generally there's a lot of people moving to the right direction. I would say one of the, the, the other drawbacks is there are no role models. For example, um, yep. in mainland China, I mean, there's a lot of, if you look at most of the successful or wealthiest people, if you want, quote unquote, 
a lot of them are actually entrepreneurs. I mean, there's the Jack Ma's yes. and the Pony Ma's and, 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 and others that are in similar situation. Whereas if you look at Hong Kong, the tycoons, if you want, or the, the people look up to are real estate tycoons in their 80s. You know, yep. and, and the same people yep. have been there for the last 20, 30 years. But I think it's, it's a bit of interesting side. And I really believe that we just need a couple of success stories in Hong Kong that young people can look up to. And that's going to actually uh, be a major catalyst. But I think we're generally moving yeah. in the right direction. But like always, there's always uh, challenges ahead. There's always room for improvement. I absolutely agree with you on the success story. I mean, when I when I think about Hong Kong and let's say just the, the, the category of startup investing, you know, I, exactly as you said, the, the tycoons and the people that the public looks up to and the investing public looks up to are the people that have made money, you know, maybe last generation, the generation before and it's all real estate. It's either real estate that they're comfortable with or playing the stock market, which could be just as you know risky, perhaps, as early stage investing. The difference is that they just are not educated. They, there's no role models, like you said. There's no big wins. Hong Kong as a city doesn't have any big wins. In the you know, It doesn't have a, a Facebook or a, or a Waze like Israel. They just recently had a big exit, right? So, And they kind of put them on the map, even though Israel in, in and of itself is startup nation. So I think Hong Kong really needs, um, like you said, it needs role models and it needs a big win, I think. It needs someone... Some it needs people to invest in in the ecosystem, and it needs a big win, and then it'll put us on the map, and perhaps people will start to get excited about it. Absolutely, Jay. I mean, I think, but you know, there's there's many ways of looking at it. You know, I, you know, for example, I think both Hong Kong and Singapore have, have a lot of advantages. Yeah, although there's no big success stories locally, I think there's a big role they can play. Of one of one of them is actually uh, what I call the landing pad model, which is uh, what I find mm. personally quite interesting. Um, is that actually when you look at the, the, the financial institutions across Asia, they're under very, very intense pressure to innovate and change the way they do business. But at the same time, I would say the depth and the breadth of startups in Asia is not what it could be. I mean, they're still uh, getting better, but it's not what it can be. Inversely, if you go to the US, where I spend quite a bit of my time, the banks are not under that much pressure to innovate. Obviously, they're trying to, but it's not that much pressure. But the quality of the startups is actually very, very interesting. Uh, you know, from the quality of startups, the depth and the breadth. And that, that I think, creates a, a very good arbitrage opportunity, if you want, uh, for these uh, fintech uh, startups and uh, uh, firms that are based in Europe or in the U.S. to come to Asia and use uh, uh, landing pads like Hong Kong or Singapore uh, to really uh, target Asia and really target financial institutions in the region. So I think even though if you're not the startup nation yourself, you can be the landing pad nation if you want, where people come and use that as a hub for the region. True, fair enough. Yeah, um, those are all good points. So Henry, what, can you talk a little bit about what we can look forward to in the upcoming week? There's, like I said, two out of five days has been dedicated to fintech. That's how popular, that's how big this, you know, this vertical is. January 26th, uh, 25th and 26th will both be uh, fintech days during the Start Me Up Hong Kong Festival. It's something called the FinTech Finals. What would we? What do we have to look forward to during this? I mean, days? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a very exciting week. I mean, there's been, uh, uh, you, you know, there's uh, from the Canadian de FinTech delegations coming into the FinTech Finals, uh, which is a great event. Uh, I'm actually uh, speaking on uh, giving a keynote on RecTech actually there. Uh, to uh, there's there's quite a few mm. conferences going on, including the AFF, which is probably one of the biggest conferences of the year. I think that there's obviously a lot of content mm. at these events. There's a lot of interesting events. I think what's really interesting, though, what the the word the audience can get the most value is actually connecting with some of the people coming to these events. Right. Uh, you know, the uh, fintech ecosystem 
uh, unlike some of the more traditional financial uh, sectors, if you want, is actually a very friendly one. I always say it's a big community. It's a big family where there's generally people to help each other. They actually uh, share knowledge with each other. Um, and there's actually a lot of activity around there. So I'll give you one example. We're, 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 um, we're soon setting up the Hong Kong FinTech Association, which is really trying to be a kind of a, oh, an industry association of the FinTech community. And these are a lot of these, uh, these initiatives that actually all start, and there's a lot of these are discussed at events like the one we have this week. So I'm very excited, actually, for the week again. It's going to be a very busy week, but uh, definitely one that's going to be quite exciting. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be busy for you. That's fantastic. Uh, Henry, what what are you working on these days specifically? Um, you know, not necessarily just professionally, but maybe personally, what goals or new projects do you have for 2017? <laughs> you know, I always tell people uh, I'm a workaholic and a nerd, which is never a good combination. So uh, there's always a lot of fun. I mean, last year was actually a very excellent book, not only from some of the uh, fintech-related things. I also published my, my book as well. It came out uh, from Pelgrave on entrepreneurship and finance, uh, which, was, uh, which, was, which, was, which was great. Um, thank you. I mean, I think some of that. the projects, obviously, uh, a part of work, which is, takes the vast majority of my time. I think we're doing a lot of community work uh, on the fintech side. So like I mentioned, we're setting up the Hong Kong Fintech Association, uh, which, as you can imagine, uh, really takes a lot of energy and time perspective. But also then the other thing we're trying to do is actually educate the broader public on fintech and rectech. I think there's a lot of, um, even though fintech has reached a mass market right now, I think there's a lot of people that would benefit in actually learning some of the benefits of it. The other thing I think it's always good to spend some time is on the, I wouldn't say advocacy, but really spending time with the government and regulators. Uh, I'm very fortunate I sit on a number of these uh, or a leader, or a chair, or a member of many uh, fintech committees. Uh, so which actually a good way of actually being able to uh, help the broader community and stakeholders on uh, trying to shape the fintech ecosystem moving forward. Because I really believe it's an ecosystem play where, you know, we, we need every angle and every participant of the ecosystem for this community to really flourish moving forward. So really 2017 should be quite an exciting one uh, from that perspective uh, for the fintech world, not only in Asia, but also globally. Right. Sounds sounds very exciting. So if someone were a, a novice, say, in fintech, and, you know, where where would you tell them to start other than maybe auditing your, your class and uh, and perhaps coming to the fintech finals and listening to you speak and some of the other speakers? What, what's the what's the best way for someone to just if they're just have an, have an itch to learn about fintech like you did many years ago, how can they get started? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I, I, th I think, Jay, from that perspective, I, I tell, you know, uh, many conferences, I tell the audience, you know, if there's like a piece of homework everybody can do is just attend an event a month or, you know, or t take the time an hour a week to read about some of the latest fintech developments coming up. Uh, you know, if anything from what the tech firms are doing to uh, some of the latest AI developments and chatbots de developments that will really shape the financial industry of the future. I think that's the one It's being curious and being interested in what's happening in this broader uh, ecosystem. Um, but uh, honestly, I think there's also some more um, fundamental changes that fintech is bringing along that will really have a transformative impact on the financial services industry, not on the short term. But definitely on the medium and long term. One of them is blockchain, blockchain technology, for example, where, uh, you know, I yeah. often tell people if there's one thing they should read about is just blockchain. Just be aware of what's happening. It's not going to happen over the next five years. But this is really, uh, it's, we're about with blockchain technology where the Internet was in the mid-1990s. Uh, so, you know, nobody could have anticipated in the mid-1990s all of how Internet has changed the way we live in our daily lives. 
but I think it's, it's including this podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, I think this, uh, I think we're really at the early stages, but I think it's good for uh, individuals, especially if they work in the financial services industry, to be aware. Uh, you know, but however, th- that being said, entering the fintech industry is actually quite difficult. Uh, you know, there's a lot of buzz around it. But if you dig down, there's not that many jobs in fintech. You know, for somebody who just wants to enter the fintech industry, uh, there's not that many. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, it's, uh, about a about you know a year and a half, two years ago, I used to get a, at least two or three LinkedIn messages a day uh, from individuals who wanted to leave banks to join the fintech world, basically just to right. out of passion and changing the banking world. It's interesting how that has changed recently right. because there's obviously been a lot of layoffs at banks. Outlook, if you want, for many, uh, is not that uh, that rosy. So people are really trying to see as fintech could be the rescue boat that's gonna uh, people can clinch on. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, fintech is quite different. You know, I think the skill sets you need uh, are, are are quite different. Uh, in in you know, working in a big bank where everybody comes to you and you know, and you have the benefit of the big business card to joining a, a startup. Uh, where uh, you actually have right. to hunt and you have to go is actually very different skill sets. Uh, but that that being said, uh, you know, uh, for a lot of the young people, you know, there's I think very big difference between the those who are starting their careers and those later on. Uh, I think for a lot of young people, still joining, I believe, traditional banks is a great training ground. That's a really great place to not only uh, mm. uh, meet people, uh, get the industry knowledge, make contacts, um, but also I think for more senior people as well. You know, I get uh, sometimes senior folks at banks. Who tell me, Henry? I want to join the fintech world. I think what often pe- people don't realize is that um, the money you can make today in a bank, uh, for the amount of work and accountability that you have, is actually relatively very high compared to other industries. Definitely, uh, the fintech world. So yeah. I think it's a it's people have to make a decision based on their uh, uh, practicalities and their own reality. Uh, but I think the the overarching team, and I actually I was teaching this today at uh, Hong Kong University, a fintech course actually, and. What I tell a lot of my students is that um, the um, whether they want it or not, the, the those entering the workforce today may need to reinvent themselves every five or ten years just because the industry, right. the world is moving right. so quickly. I always tell people that you should never sit on the chair, but you should always sit on the edge of your chair and you know stay, remain curious, right. hardworking, and passionate just as the way the industry is moving. That's great advice. Sound advice from Henry. Um, thank you so much for your time, uh, Henry. We, I had a really good time catching up with you today. Last question is, where can uh, my audience, my listeners, connect with you, find you, follow you, if they want to learn a little bit more about you? Where can I lead them? <laughs> well, I can, they're happy. I'm, always, uh, I'm, I'm quite a friendly guy generally, so I'm <laughs> always at a lot of these fintech events uh, globally. But also, I think the best place to connect is via LinkedIn. Uh, you know, I always tell people that's probably LinkedIn is probably the most powerful professional networking tool we have today mm-hmm. and one that I quite like. So LinkedIn is a great way to connect with the audience, uh, you know, and uh, I'm, you know, and happy to share the passion and the knowledge with uh, whoever's interesting um, to learn, whoever, whoever's interested to learn more about this uh, beautiful industry. Fantastic. Thank you so much again for your time, God, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is Henry Artelanian. He will be speaking at the FinTech Finals, uh, the two-day event, 25th and 26th of January at the PMQ. Head on over to fintechfinals.com to pick up your tickets. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Uh, once again, Henry, I had a really good time and I appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me and uh, look forward to this week. All right. Take care now. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. 
Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness.